Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 37 of Little Things for Bonsai People, the podcast. And this time I'm joined by my co-host, Carmen Lesko-Biensky. How's it going today? Good. I am definitely not tired. I totally didn't just wake up like 30 minutes ago from a nap. Um, <laughs> very, very wide awake. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, is it still boiling when you're at? Is what? It kind of rolled off the tongue weird. Is it still boiling where you're really? at? That's no, my southern it's actually, accent. <laughs> um, it's been really nice the last week or so. Um, yep. But it's getting a little bit hot this week, like mid 80s, upper 80s. So uh, is it? really humid there in portland right now nope it's pretty dry dry that's that's interesting yeah it uh, was like 75 and kind of cloudy yesterday and there was even a little mist in the air it was very strange it's very not july it sounds uh kind of kind of pleasant um it was it, great yeah uh for louisiana it's been it's been unbelievably humid even whenever like the, the cloud cover comes out and it rains a little bit there's so um, much yeah. There's so much heat radiation coming off of everything and the instant yeah. evaporation that like, like uh swimming. Yeah. Well, it's it's different. And I don't want to put I don't want to put down like, oh, you're in Portland, you'll never know. Um because it's similar. Michigan gets pretty swampy, you know. There's been yeah. days where it's been like 95 and like 80% humidity, and it's just disgusting. And and you wear glasses, and so I'm sure when you mm-hmm. walk outside, your glasses fog up instantly on days like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so so annoying. So, you know what? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, because I was Mm -hmm. thinking about this morning. uh, I was helping Caitlin move a a mirror because she sold it on Facebook Marketplace or whatever. And as soon as I brought it outside, the whole thing fogged over. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, that's the kind of weather we're having. Uh, It (laughs) felt fine, though. But uh, anyway, uh, we always like to talk about the weather. Um, Very important for bonsai stuff. (laughs) Yes, I always keep track of the weather. Uh, it's it's actually been pretty easy on our trees. I mean, I haven't really had to water my personal trees, but once a day. Oh, that's so nice. I, I don't know. And also I have I've got shade where I'm at, too. So mm-hmm. I guess that has to contribute to it. Uh, but yeah, just to get past the just the, the banter for a second there. Uh, today we'll be discussing five bonsai tips to up your game. So. Five really simple things that I realized um, a couple of days ago. I was just kind of mulling it over my head. Just things I was thinking about when I started bonsai versus what things that I do now. And little simple things that I felt to be not unnecessary, not necessary or things that were just a little um, over encumbering to think about when it came to caring for my trees that go a lot like go a lot further than I could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a little list put together for that. Um, and I just wanted to let you know, Carmen, also for our listeners, uh, we have been running the show. This, this revamped version of the show has been running for, I think we've been going for about three months now, almost. Is that it? it feels like forever. This is the revamp of it. So it does feel like forever. Cause we're on a weekly I mean, it's release. a good thing. Don't, don't get me wrong. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is my eternity. Ah, <laughs> but uh, our show has been running every week, and we have actually upped our subs- uh, subscribers. I'd like to thank Ooh. everybody that's been subscribing. Uh, we hit our all time high of over 10,000 downloads. Oh my um, gosh, pretty cool! And it's just going to keep going because we're just going to keep making more episodes. But uh, thank you guys for listening. That's that's awesome that we're getting that far. We have listeners stretching across. The world as far as i could tell on my uh my analytics we have everybody from north america south america uk europe uh asia uh even down in uh in africa australia philippines i mean we're, we're covering all the bases here i mean we even got a few listeners in japan so that's wild i can't believe anybody wants to listen to anything i say so thank you all very much it's awesome yeah so and if you're listening and you're not subscribed on your listening platform to our show and you listen to our show regularly just click subscribe it'll help up the algorithm it'll get our show out to more people who want to hear me carmen and mike talk about the weather the weather yeah <laughs> and also really really good things to just kind of you know start from we always want to start from the ground up and uh and the reason why I wanted to do, well, literally from the ground up, 
other reason why I went to do this this five of is because our most listened to episode was uh, of recent time was me and Mike talking about five things we wish we knew before we got into bone size. So this is mm. reminiscent of that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very popular episode. So I figured we bring back this formula of back to the basics, five things that, you know, that are good, get that good to know, good to think about. Uh, before we five, get... five little things for bonsai people, you might five, say five little, five little like... things. There you go. Uh, I think I think uh, I had a couple of uh, little things like quotes and references to make, but you just you just jumped right on it. You beat me right to the right to the chase on that one. You're welcome. So okay, before we get started though, getting too far into this, uh, I do need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over on Patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people and uh with our patreon list we have our patrons called our bonsai best buds we have a discord chat where these best buds hang out we talk bonsai we're currently undergoing the the uh cutting challenge and we're having a good time we're sharing info sharing pictures talking about location and stuff and climates and stuff that affect all the trees that we're working with that list of uh, amazing Patreons starts with Tori Solis, Warehouse Rat, Voice Nail Grove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chatlers, Chappers, Ryan Giordano, uh, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard Bone- Bonsai Australia. I always stumble on that one. The Ladies at the Flower Market, Taylor, Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, Vicky Auth, Austin Atkins, Karen Codswell. Uh, our list is getting a little longer. It's taking me a little longer to get through that each time, but I'm getting a little bit faster every time, too. Um, I'm really happy to have all these people and have this little community that we're growing here with the with the podcast. Um, it's like its own little bonsai club, and you can join it. You go over to patreon.com and become a $5 patron, have your name shouted out every episode. And we'll even uh we haven't had any tree critiques in a little while, but we'll critique trees, we'll look at progress photos with you guys, talk to you guys in real time, um, and also answer your questions. Speaking of which, we do have a listener question from my bonsai best bud to go ahead and answer really quick oh okay yep um it is from taylor peacock he's submitting another question he says uh howdy another listener question for y'all uh i see y'all in there so (laughs) that means that he speaks my language uh have (laughs) any of you ever braided seedlings uh slash whips together and hope that they will fuse to create a thicker and more interesting trunk i've seen a video of this quote-unquote technique and i'm testing it out on some young tridents and i was unsure of its legitimacy so what do you think carmen um i have not done it um i know i've i've seen folks like uh kind of clump a handful of trident seedlings together and like you know tape them together and then let them fuse that way so in theory it would work i don't know that you're gonna get um i imagine it might be a little bit flat depending on how you know tight or loose the braid is but in theory it would work but i i don't know that it's a uh actual method that's used frequently mm-hmm. um in bonsai usually i just see the kind of clumping and taping together i actually have experience with this Ooh. um yeah and I use trident maples, kumquats. You can use Chinese elms, ficus, sea uh, hibiscus is a good one too. I mean that that species just kind of just does everything. Some species you have to score them in order to get them to fuse faster or or more mm-hmm. seamlessly. Um, the only issue you can run into with this braiding process, it, I wouldn't braid it. That that's kind of that's kind of my first. Uh, observation or or take on the the way the questions formatted and for listeners out there braiding what when i think of when that i think of that word i think of those ficuses that you buy from like lowe's or home depot and they're literally like a like you would braid your hair um oh, yeah mm-hmm. that is something i would not do um but if you wanted to do like braiding that made the trunk interesting and had it this like a like a lumpy grotesqueness to it think that would be kind of interesting i i personally think the like which what you were saying just a second ago carmen like the taping them together but mm-hmm. instead of just doing that take your lump of cuttings and twist them and put mm-hmm. wire around them yeah 
And so the wire will also twist them. So you'll get this twisted, contorted trunk line. The the thicker trunk thing, I do I do know what that is. I've also seen that. I forgot what technique that is. There's a name for it. Um, but there's this other technique where you take like a wire, no, like a mesh screen of some kind, and you take your cuttings, and then you build a you literally build the frame of a tree onto it. You you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you take like a mesh screen and then you take all your cuttings or your saplings or seedlings, whatever you want to say they are, and put them all together on there. And trident maples are good for this because they grow so fast. Right. The only issue is that you're going to have completely hollow tree if you do yeah, like that's a frame. Super weird. I've seen it, though. And I heard that you can, in some cases, if it doesn't heal or fuse correctly, you can put your hand all the way inside of a of a larger one of these trees and i don't think it's necessary but yeah it's i think it's in the hopes to create like a quicker taper because you can do like a ring of of uh saplings and then imagine like for like let's say you have like you have long hair carmen and i you know some other people who have longer hair like imagine like pulling your hair together into a ponytail and it has that quick taper up that's kind of what imagine your head is the is the ring of, of saplings <laughs> um it's a weird thought but that's kind of how you have to imagine it um, right yeah i prefer the method where you just strap the cuttings straight to each other mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a giant tree out of it and i mean i don't think that's always the goal but i've seen some really awesome stuff done like if you like with um the kumquats they, I take like a bunch of seedlings and I grow them out to a certain uh, caliber. I'll get them about pinky size, uh, right under pinky size where they're still pretty flexible. And I'll strap them together and I'll just contort them and twist them up, twist them back in on each other. And you can get a lot of, um, is it takagari, the exposed root? Mm-hmm. I don't um, know. If, is that what it's called? There's the takagari. No, that's the that's the root to the, the first branch. Right. That, it's a... Uh, Niagari. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm the one over here trying to teach everybody the Japanese terminologies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can do some twisted, exposed root looking kind of plants like that. I've seen Mike make beautiful primna uh mycophilias like that. Um, and also just exposed root styles with like a plastic bottle also helps, like also does stuff. But to thicken the trunk. I don't say it's going to, I don't think it's going to thicken the trunk necessarily. It'll make the cutting feel bigger. You can put a bunch of them together, but then one of the things you run into is that if you put too many of them, you have to think about the ones that are inside mm-hmm. and they just won't, they won't have access to light. They probably won't even butt out and then you'll have a dead handful of them in the middle. So make sure you twist them as many of them round around the rung around this twisted lump of, of, uh, of ceilings and just bend the crap out of them because they're if you bind them strong enough you can bend them without breaking most of them depending on the species tridents are pretty flexible so mm-hmm. um but yeah it's a good question though uh, i think it's a really cool way to make really gnarly show him and then yeah. also grow out like if you're willing to stick it in the ground you can grow out a really weird tree but a really awesome grotesque looking tree like that so any other thoughts on that? Um, no, I'm well, I guess I have one thought in that, like, I think it's a really cool way to make an interesting tree, but um, I always feel like as long as we're not using it as a way to cut corners or get something bigger, faster, because you might, it might not necessarily be bigger, faster. And bigger faster isn't always better you know like mm-hmm. you have to put in the time to have a good tree to have an old tree so you can make something really cool but it's not necessarily going to get you to your end point faster yeah does that make sense yeah yeah it's it's kind of like the whole thing it's like i want a big tree and like uh somebody goes out and they dig up like a trident maple or a chinese elm out of like the landscape here Mm -hmm. and then the first thing to do is chop it down to like this big giant stump and then they just Mm -hmm. grow branches out on it yeah and the branches not might not be like the highest quality 
because they weren't allowed to they didn't carve the top out and heal the top out or or build believable branch structure that doesn't feel f- small and twiggy it needs to be some like you said it takes time like if you're going to cut corners you can't cut corners without somebody with a good eye and bone size seeing oh that tree's been mm-hmm. on the ground for like two years and the branches are spindly yeah if you, know. you really want a big tree with old branches buy a big tree with old branches yeah <laughs> and it's not i mean a lot of people don't have the budget for that so i can yeah no see. that's true i'm yeah. just saying like as far as instant gratification goes it's you gotta find old bones it's not really that kind of hobby yeah but in in the thought he's you're in the right vein of thinking uh the uh taylor that submitted this question uh you're in the right vein of thinking yes you can create interesting trees mm-hmm. by doing this method but bigger faster is not that's not usually how it goes um like like carmen's saying either go out and buy one and then like i'm saying put it in the ground and let it rip and develop the right way it'll take you yeah it'll to be do it. it'll still be a cool tree it'll be nice yeah it'll be very nice so um but yeah yeah good question uh so let's move on to the five things i kind of made this this list of things that i was thinking about over the past couple of days i'm just like I'm I'm going through my own trees in my yard and i'm thinking about back when i first started i'm like okay, these trees obviously have progressed, but I may not be doing like I'm and I'm doing things purposely. Like I'm not doing the most technical things with some of the trees that I have just because I don't want to be that labor intensive with a particular mm-hmm. tree. I want it to be a little bit more, you know, free formed with it. I want it to feel like I'm enjoying this tree and I can do technical things when I feel like it, but I'm not trying to really lay into this tree and be like, I'm going to wire every branch, get every pad right and get every, you know, bit of taper in this branch correct. It's just like, I'm, I'm developing it, but I'm taking my time. Mm -hmm. So there was like a handful of things I noticed. I was like, oh, but I've been doing these, these certain things to really keep up and really give me an edge. So um, I guess this is a good time to take out like a piece of paper or like a little, uh, or take out your phone for your notes and jot things that I don't know. I, I, some of y'all might just be listening to this, like, on the way to work or you're just kind of chilling somewhere <laughs> you're just kind of spacing out so <laughs> write but, it down never forget it get it tattooed yeah. on your forearm so you can yep. always reference it oh yeah tattoo on your forearm is the best way to remember things oh wait when are you getting your new tattoo sorry oh i got it Did yesterday you... is it cool what is it it's it's pretty cool um can i see it uh i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's on my it's on my leg so i'd have to like put my leg into frame for the listeners okay out there it's me me and carmen can see each other on a zoom call uh (laughs) just send me a picture later sorry yeah yeah i'll send you a picture um (laughs) but i i did end up getting a uh a new tattoo on my leg it's um it's it's a character from the legend of drist series it's a fantasy series uh written by uh r.a salvatore uh about the uh dark elf uh drizzit or driss some people say it different depends on how you read it uh, but I got Loth the Spider Queen, and she's like the big baddie villain in the first story arc. Um, but it's a dope cool. tattoo. Uh, but yeah, I'll once I get it finished and stuff, I'll probably post pictures or whatever. But yeah, it's really cool. It was a lot of work really fast. I was like, it's like two and a half hours of just straight line work, and he didn't stop. He didn't give me any breaks. Um, wow. And it's it's from like it's like right below my knee all the way down. It actually goes down my foot a little bit. Oh wow, that's big! And a back, around the backside of my leg, even it's like the whole front of my shin. <laughs> so, it, it's fun though, and it's going to take a lot of sessions to get it right. Anyway, this is not a tattoo podcast. Sorry, uh, although that would my be bad. interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so tip one: this is something that um, this is something I feel like back when I was thinking about it, I was like, "That's so tedious." But this goes a long way. Try to make some kind of journal or check log or something about what you've done with your trees. I know a lot of people, like I know up there at the, uh, the garden, when you're working with Michael and stuff, you guys periodically check it because y'all are always on those trees. And so it's easier mm-hmm. for y'all to conceptualize what needs to be done. Yeah. Where it's people who don't spend that much time with their trees and think other things get in the, you know, another, like a job, like a, like a job that's not bonsai, you know, right. you make those considerations, you know? Um, so how do you kind of 
So being in your professional garden setting, Carmen, how did, I mean, mm-hmm. kind of describe to me how y'all keep up with that maintenance. Do y'all take any kind of logs or any kind of thing about that? It's all up here. It's all in the mind. <laughs> no, um, well, uh, I mean, Michael takes a lot of photos of the trees for the blog. And so that kind of becomes a photo record, um, talking through major work or revisiting certain trees. Um, so that's really how how he does it here. Back at the university, um, I worked with a lot of volunteers. So there were a number of different people handling the trees all the time. And so we did create a log um so that we could record what we did um towards the end of my time there we did that less and less just because you know a lot of the routine stuff we didn't really feel the need to continue to record but Mm -hmm. um i remember when i visited the national arboretum their collection back when jack sustick was in charge of it uh there was a log especially for volunteers um what they did each day so um I think it is important, at least even if you're not recording every single thing you do, um, at least making a note of the big work. Photos are great. If you don't want to take the time to write it down, at least then you can reference that. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if there's something wrong and you have a question about it or, you know, something different happened with a tree one year, making a note of it or taking a photo is a really good way to just remind yourself so that you don't forget. Yeah. I mean, these things go a really long way. Like, like you were just saying, it's like, oh, this tree is growing like crap. And then if you took a picture from like the previous year and you're like, oh, it was growing like crap, uh, like a year ago too. Mm -hmm. And you can, and you can kind of backlog that, like, have I repotted this tree? Uh, Was I fertilizing it differently? Was I, Mm -hmm. was there a hot spell? Like even recording stuff like, we missed a watering like be, and you can yeah. put that date in there and be like uh something something stupid happened and we or you as a as a bonsai practitioner something happened and this tree got missed and mm-hmm. and uh we had to put it in, into a emergency and you know either saturate the root ball or do some recovery uh to kind of maintenance on it whether it be some deciduous trees you can like prune them back real quick and hydrate the root ball and put them in the shade and hope that they'll bud back really nice and strong. Mm -hmm. Um, Junipers and and pines, I mean, they'll have obvious languish once they get dehydrated. Um, So those moments are important. And because those things that happened to your tree previously will echo the tree's health. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because every time that there's something that happens throughout the year, like one, one underwatering, will affect your tree more than you realize it like if you go out there and uh i don't know if you're oh you should know this word you you're way more educated than i am in horticulture um uh, <laughs> uh tuger in branches oh, mm-hmm. turger tuger is a, a last name of somebody i uh, know i always confuse it turger is is the is the is like the the amount of moisture in a shoot that's extending am i right on that one yeah, it's like the pressure created by the water within the plant cell against the cell wall that keeps the the cell like rigid. Mm-hmm. So if your plant's well hydrated, it'll be stiff essentially, and then if it's not, that's when you get a wilt. Yeah. So any kind of wilting is a lack in turgor, and that could be. And I know a lot of people get home and be like, "Oh, that's my tell. My tree's droopy. I need to go water it. It should never get like that." Mm-hmm. Um, Gonna, I'm going to go ahead and uh, slay a couple of hearts here in, in bonsai and, and just say, sorry, you can't let your trees get wilty. And that's your tail sign to go water your trees. That's doing way more damage than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it, it's Carmen saying the, stru- the cell wall can't hold itself up with pressure from moisture tra- and uh, nutrients transfer and, and all other stuff that needs to happen in that shoot. It's shut down. And so that could result in dieback of root system as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bad news all around. Like you, that shoot could be on the way to extending out and giving you a really nice root tip connected to that shoot. And if it wilts, it'll stunt the growth on that that root tip. And that could in the future, if you do that too many times in a row, you'll weaken the plant to a to some amount of dieback. And then if you don't record these things 
or or just be more aware of them in a certain way, it'll help you solve the mystery of like, oh, why is this plant growing so bad this year? That could lead mm -hmm. up to it. Or maybe you did a, a questionable repot job on a tree and you're like, oh, I don't know if I feel good about this. And you have to make sure you kind of TLC that tree a little bit more in the springtime. And then keep in mind for the rest of the year that that tree went through a rough repot. You can't just be like, oh, it, it rebounded nicely. That might just be the response from it getting cut back too hard or cut the wrong way. And it's just trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. So what do you Yeah, I would definitely record your repottings, which is something, you know, we don't always do here, but, and that's, you know, generally not a problem because we don't, we don't keep things on a schedule. So you don't always think, okay, well, I should record when I repot. But when you run into a problem and you try to remember, when did I last repot this? Was it last year or was it two years ago? You know, eventually time just kind of all blends together. So mm -hmm. if you can't remember if it was, you know, a year or two years or three years ago, it's nice to be able to fall back on that record and say, okay, no, it was last year we repotted it and it's still, you know, and it's doing poorly this year. So, or, oh God, it hasn't been repotted in 10 years. Maybe, you know, we have to do an emergency repot on it. And, you know, so just being able to quick reference that can be super helpful. Oh yeah. And, and like, like you were saying a second ago, like with Michael's uh, way that he, he just takes photos. Mm -hmm. I know nowadays with smartphones, like I take a lot of pictures of my trees and I send them to like, you, you get photos of like <laughs> my little show hidden pines all the time. You're like, uh -huh. Oh, look at that. So and, I'm like, and then I'm like that every one of those photos has a timestamp. Mm -hmm. So even if you're just sending photos to your other bonsai friends and you're like, check this out, you can put that into like a catalog in your phone, make a folder and start taking all those. Because even though it's not really like the best way to record what's happening, it does tell you what the general health of that tree was and the time of year, the time of day. And you could probably even reference to like, what the weather was feeling like. I mean, because the weather means everything to us on this, on the little things for bonsai <laughs> podcast, <laughs> little things for bonsai people. Uh, yeah, for sure. The I channel. take photos um, <laughs> like before I do work and after I do work, mostly for my own purposes of seeing how my work has progressed over my time as an apprentice. But um, being able to also go back two years and be like, oh yeah, I worked on this tree and did this, you know, just being able to search through my phone based on year and month. Um, Again, super helpful to be able to look back at what exactly you did and what a tree looked like after you massacred it or, you know, um, didn't. Or maybe you feel it. like you, may, or maybe you feel like you, you fumbled. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a better way to say it. There Not you massacred. <laughs> you never like, massacred a tree. Man, I really botched that one. Um, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> Brings me to my next one. So let's say you do have a tree that's not doing great, or maybe trees doing really great, and you're recording what's going on. I know one thing that this is one of the things. So this is tip number two. One of the things that I notice a lot of beginners don't do is they don't fertilize their trees. Mm -hmm. Now, don't don't make uh Mr. Evan go over here and sit you down and tell you why it's important to fertilize your bonsai trees. Like this is, this is bonsai 101, right? And this whole thing is bonsai 101. This, this whole podcast, what we're, our conversation here, but I've seen a lot of people starting out bonsai neglect to fertilize. So tip number two, get on a fertilizer schedule and have an understanding of species to species, what they need. And then you need to track your your dry down process on your trees. If possible, what I mean by that is, if you're fertilizing, if your trees are not absorbing the water and there's no nutrient uptake, if you're not seeing that water in that pot and it's not evaporation, like, yeah, you can imagine, oh, I, I, I watered my tree today and it's just the sun. It's really hot outside today. That's not really what's happening. Trees are drinking water. Trust me. Like if they're healthy and they're looking for nutrients and they're looking for the fertilizer, that water is going to get absorbed and and your pot's going to dry down, something that Mike says a lot, dry down method. I like that terminology. It helps me think about it. It dries from the top to the bottom because all the moisture accumulates at the bottom at the root mass. If there's no, let's just put it this way. Like I've got two bald cypresses and I'm tracking the health of both of them. 
and I'm fertilizing the, I'm not fertilizing, I'm not fertilizing the crap out of them. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them a, a pretty moderate to high amount of fertilizer going into summer because cypress trees take up a lot of fertilizer. They are very hungry, very thirsty trees. Um, in fact, if you put them in a, um, like standing water situation, like in a, in a tub, they will drink gallons of water depending on their vigor. Um, so I've, I heard that one of the, the club president of New Orleans Bonsai Society, Randy Bennett, he told me that he sees anywhere from three to five gallons a day, depending on the vigor of the bald cypress. Whoa. So, so like lots of volume of water, but if you're looking at these trees and you got one bald cypress and you watered it in the morning, you're like, man, I know I watered this thing. It must've been so hot today. It dried out. If it's midday and that tree's dry, that tree sucked that water up. And you need to go out there and get it some more water and give it a little bit of like nutrients of some kind, micro life, uh, bio uh, um, microbes or, you know, some light fertilizer or something, depending on what type of uh, push you're trying to get out of the tree. But then I have this other cypress that is still wet from the, from the morning and it hasn't really done anything. And it's a little on the pale side. And you're like, maybe this one's it's like it's in the same location, but it's just it's still wet, though. And it's just really weird. You're like, well, maybe the, the soil is just crap and it's just like super organic or something. That tree could have a fertilizer issue that might there might be a, P, a pH balance that's off in that tree where it can't access the nutrients. And then therefore, it's not sucking up the moisture like it needs to. And it's not developing the root system to support that moisture uptake. So this is something that I feel like a lot of people run into. And they water their trees and then out of anxiety, they water them again and not actually monitor the dry down process. Does that make sense to you, Carmen? Um, I don't know that they don't dry down because they're not taking up fertilizer. I mean, they aren't taking up water and that could be for any number of reasons. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely don't water it if it's wet. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and that that's my concept on the whole thing i mean like i said i'm not studied but um and you know like the the whole the heavy horticultural side but when i've seen lack and vigor and color in a tree and it's not absorbing there's more than just fertilizer and more than just water but yeah but usually a root problem and it could be a root problem yeah um drainage issue i mean something mm -hmm. just be, could be clogged up and it's not getting aeration um but and I use the bald cypresses as a comparison because they don't normally care if if they're root bound and you water them and then there's actually no water for the there's no way for the water to get out. It's just trapped and, and it's in a puddle. Basically, that cypress should still be doing something. I guess I'm mm -hmm. pulling it back around to the fertilizer thing is that making sure that you just don't forget to fertilize um, and fertilize fertilizer can be applied all year round if you're using organics and then fertilizer can be tapered off or I mean you you have a little bit more in this when it like when it comes to soil components and stuff when does fertilizer actually completely dissipate um it really it depends on what your soil you're using and how much you're watering so I mean bonsai soil doesn't hold a ton of it's not like um a pure organic substrate that'll just hold on to a lot of the nutrient you put in there we water a lot so we flush a lot of nutrients out of that soil pretty regularly so um you know depending on the time of year and what you're trying to do with your tree um how much you fertilize and what you use can really vary um you know we usually hold off on a lot of fertilizer until things have hardened off. Um, but again, black pines are different, you know, because we're trying to push uh, candles um, and really strengthen the tree for the decandling process. And so it really, really kind of depends on, on the tree, but um, frequent fertilization is definitely necessary and using something that's a slow release in addition to liquid fertilizers can be really beneficial um, especially because, you know, your liquid fertilizer kind of goes through the pot 
and can wash out pretty quickly, but that slow release makes sure that you're getting something every time that you do water. Yeah. And you don't want to be explosively fertilizing your trees all year round. No. That's why I was saying more species specific. Yeah. Some some species can take it. Like some tropicals that I have experiences with here. I mean, you can there could be fertilizer ever present in those pots. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, I know somebody who used to just water with fertilizer water every time. Yeah. All tropicals. If you if you don't have the schedule and the and you kind of forget the the worst thing you can do is forget to fertilize your trees completely um so that's why i always recommend to people who are starting to accumulate a collection of trees and they're like scared that they're not going to be able to uh apply the appropriate amount of fertilizer i just tell them one thing you can really you can invest in is the organic fertilizer bags or pellets or Whatever, mm -hmm. whatever is super slow and gentle release, and you can reply that all year, all year round, even during mm -hmm. dormancy, even after repotting, even after, even at the at the harshest repot, you can put those fertilizer bags back on because of how gentle the fertilizer is. So, but don't use synthetic to that same extent. Don't go synthetic when I'm saying that. If you guys want to hear like just the regular run of the mill fertilizer that most people assume that they're going to use for their trees is Osmocote. Um, Osmocote's great, but it has a an outer coat that when the temperatures are really high, especially here in Louisiana, I'm sure it's the same in Portland as well, that if it gets too hot, then the coat just basically the coating of the fertilizer just dumps really fast. And it's and it basically is useless above like a certain temperature. I think it's like 90 degrees here. Is just when it's just useless at that point. I know it's gotten better over time. I know people in the past have burned trees with it. Um, it seems like the coat has gotten a little bit better, but yeah, it can, some of those slow releases can definitely be problematic as far as you never know really how much is going into your tree, um, especially if they are kind of temperature dependent like that. Um, yeah, that can be an issue. Yeah, I've had, I've had a ficus Benjamin Benjamina, I think it was mm -hmm. brought to the shop one time and someone asked me to repot it for them. And the tree had been, had never been repotted. It was like bought from Walmart or something and then um, put into like a bonsai container so that they had yeah. like the, the concept down, but the tree was like grown so tall and big that it completely just like its root system was the shape of the pot that it was in. It was like a rectangle. Oh, mm -hmm. and, and I was like, Holy crap. Like it was, it was interesting because this tree was like kept in a sunroom and they actually, they loved this tree. They watered it and they fertilized it. And then it just took on the form of the pot because of how fast and how dense the root system got. And I just remember there was uh they were like, we're trying to water it and the water just sits on the surface. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there's no soil surface. That's, that's the tree. Like yeah. <laughs> there's nowhere for it to go. Yeah. It's just sitting on top of what's essentially the trunk. And like yeah. I went to touch where there was fertilizer and I had cut my finger like mm. previously and the fertilizer in the water was so intense. It actually stung my finger. It made, made me wince. It's, wow. That's how strong it can be. It's like yeah. it's like almost like caustic in a way, you mm -hmm. know, like so kind of imagine that. Imagine if you cut the roots on your tree recently, you got all these lie like these open wounds, like these little micro wounds all over the root system. And then you pour synthetic straight into it. It's like salt in a wound. So just be careful with that. But lean into slow release. That's a that's a really good recommendation. I know there's a lot of name brand stuff out there. Some of it can get kind of pricey with the micro nutrient nutrient brands and stuff. Like uh, I know yeah. one is literally called Micro Life. That's a good one. But just be careful because it in concentration it can be really strong. Yeah. Um. So any uh any more comments on uh, fertilizing your trees and letting them dry down? Uh, no, oh. I don't believe so. Good, good. I talk that one in circles so much that it, uh, got all, get all the wind sucked out of it basically. Um, <laughs> okay. So tip number three is something else that I realized this is going to be kind of a deciduous thing. I think it could, oh, well, needle plucking is thing mm. that you do with, um, with conifers, with junipers and stuff. Remember to thin out needles and leaves on dense trees to save interior branches on yeah. the majority of species. Remove flower hips and seed pods and old, like anything that's, that's like a feature on the tree that 
that is showy. And then once it's exhausted, that needs to be removed. So thinning and then maintenancing flowers and seeds. Mm -hmm. These are things that imbalance the tree and also suck energy out of the tree. So let's talk about thinning really quick. Um, and thinning is different. So tell us about pine thinning because you do a lot more of that than I do. Yeah. So we do, um, pine thinning a lot of times. So black pine is different. That's something, you know, you do in, um, you do decandling in the springtime. And then in the fall is when you will do, you know, some shoot selection and, um, one second. Okay. You decandle in the spring. Yes. What, what time of year is that technically for you? June. That's spring for you? Well, summer starts June 21st. But you just said spring. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And we do it like last week of May, first week of June. Okay. I just wanted the listeners to catch that really quick, considering yes. that we're decandling right now. Yeah. Well, you're in a hot. Oh, hot. Much you're hotter. in a hot, yeah. <laughs> long growing season. So we are not. We need to get, you know, our growing season essentially stops in September. Yes. Or, well, I guess October. So, uh, yeah. So we do decandling in the spring and shoot selection in the fall. And that's usually with black pine, we'll do some um, needle removal then. And then single flush pines, we do uh, needle plucking in the fall, usually to balance out the tree um, for the next season's growth. And so that's for, well, like I just said, balancing out the energy of the tree. And it also, allows for better airflow, allows for light to get in onto those branches and create some back budding. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it sounds simple. It's kind of like just kind of backlogging the list so far that I've put together. It's like make a journal. Oh, obviously mm -hmm. it's like these things you're like, Oh, well, yeah, well, no, duh. Like I can sit there and remember. And it's like fertilize your trees. And it's like, wow, this guy really thinks we're dumb. But no, it's like these things do go along. These are things that I realized when I started out that just now I do it so much more consistently, which so much more thought. And my trees have really made a, a turnaround. And so, yeah, thinning, like balancing the tree with the, the needle thinning process that, that Carmen's talking about. And then the, the partial defoliation process. So thinning out the tree and making the bottom and the top match in vigor. This goes a long ways. Removing oversized leaves mm -hmm. to let in more sunlight. You won't believe how much backbutting you'll get if you get sunlight inside of the interior of the tree. It's unbelievable. Um, that and that's it. You know, it's like just like hell. That that's how it works. But you have you have to do it. And that's one of the things that I lacked early on was I wasn't doing those things. I was not sitting there thinking about. Oh, I need the back end of this branch that's tucked deep in the tree. I wish there was a I wish there was a branch back there to make this tree have more weight on this first branch. It's just mm -hmm. it feels weird. But I never thinned it out when I was starting out. I was never thinking about that. I was always worried about keeping the tree alive and oh crap, I forgot to I forgot to trim this one. Now the top has grown out so much that now we got a big top swell and now we have coarse stuff all coarse branches growing off the top of this tree. And now we don't actually have like what you could probably say is bonsai anymore. It's just kind of grown out too fast. So keeping on top of those things, but the thinning and the balancing, especially on more developed trees that even if you feel like this tree is mediocre and, and me and Carmen have kind of gone back and forth on critiquing and we have had some, <laughs> some rough critiques, uh, just sit there and laugh about how, like how mean girls we are about it sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's, it's because our expectations are so much higher. And even with mundane, with really mundane material, you could still build a good body of the tree mm -hmm. on top of the foundation of the stock by doing yeah. those things. A lot of times it's better. This is something that, you know, Michael says to me and that we've talked about numerous times with some students is that, you know, it's better to do something than to do nothing. And so That's you don't have to necessarily <laughs> go through and, you know, style your whole juniper, but go through and pull off the berries and thin it out a little bit and, yeah. you know, just do something because otherwise it's going to outgrow its potential really. And you're going to lose, you're going to lose your bonsai. So, 
um, yeah, this routine thinning, pruning, um, defoliation is really, really important. Yeah. And it's like, like you, I, I love that, that simple quote is just like, do like, don't do just not do anything to it. Just do something to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like with crepe myrtles, I know if I don't cut the flower shoots off or if I let them shoot out and then they turn into the seed pods, that's going to be, that's going to be very detrimental to the plant because mm-hmm. it's going to suck all the vigor out of it. Uh, with your azalea um, pinching video that you did on Instagram, go over to mm-hmm. Becoming Bonsai and go look at Carmen's uh, little, her reel about doing pinching out flowers. That stuff's really important because if you don't catch it, you're, you have a lot of missed opportunity for vigor and health. Yeah. And those things are routine. And there's, there's something that like, let's say you got, you got off of work and you go home to your, you go to your little bonsai garden and you're like, I just need to keep my hands busy. Put your hands to work on picking buds out of your gazelia. Get all those flower hips out of there. Get the yep. seed pods out of your wisteria. Grow big old giant seed pods. Take the mm-hmm. seed pods out. If it done, if it's done flowering, go and get your chocha by and take all the wilted old flowers. You know, kind of like it's kind of like what was that? Pull the weeds. <laughs> Pull weeds. Oh my god! I sh- I should have put that on the list. It's act that's actually not on the list, but yes, put that on this part. Number Regular six, pull the yeah. Extension of this one. Thin out trees and look for little maintenance things like pulling off flower hips, seed pods. And if you're getting weedy, uh, this is something that um a good old uh guy Gidry actually told me one time when I was first talking to him um about taking care of bonsai. I was like, how hard can it be? And he's like, Well. As long as your weeds don't grow taller than your bonsai, you're doing fine. And so that was always his, his perspective on it. Yeah. Uh, but it's true. They will uh, hog water. They will hog fertilizer. And they do make people crazy when they're in a show. Yeah, don't. Yeah, we've talked about displaying bonsai <laughs> and stuff. Don't don't put don't leave weeds in your pot and oh, say that weeds. it looks natural. Pull the weeds out and moss your tree properly. But in your garden, practice cleanliness with your soil surfaces. Clean clean it up. It's um, a lot easier to go through and pick a couple weeds every day than to wait until you're overrun and yeah. you have to do all of it at once. Yeah, and then you literally spend like almost two full days. I've done that before. Like I'm like, I was just out here weeding this yesterday. How am I not done? Mm-hmm. Um, so tip number four, when you're going to progress this list a little bit faster um <laughs> eating up a lot of time with some of these um check your wire weekly especially at the shoulders and the crotches of branches and then the second part of that is when you unwire always look for the opportunity to rewire if you need to don't sit there and be like i'll go wire, wire that later take the wire off if need be and if something changes that you don't want to change if your angle changes wire again rewire it don't don't uh don't goof around and let the the shape of your tree get away from you because then you might forget what you were doing so, that's good i i sometimes do that i take a wire off and a branch bounces and i'm like yeah i'll get it later i don't yeah exactly like things happen people people have lives outside of their bonsai trees believe it or not what do um, you mean? <laughs> like yeah like like me uh everyone uh out there uh like if you go through all this trouble of wiring your tree up and you got a good wire practice and you shaped your tree, you styled it, or you're doing like a maintenance styling just to maintain form, check check at the base where the, the branches emerge from the trunk and look for wire cut in. And the first parts that I would take off is like right at the crotches or right at the, the shoulders of branches. That's where it can cut in the fastest, especially if you're growing out of out a new shoot or developing a branch for girth. Mm-hmm. Once you remove that, because that's where it's going to swell the fastest is against the trunk. Once you remove that, you can leave the majority of the wire on that branch as long as you're checking it mm-hmm. at least every week. You don't have to be every day because that feels a little weird because when you watch literally watching grass grow. But yes, dewire your tree, rewire if necessary. And if you don't rewire it, then I'm going to know. And then I'm going to make fun of you for it. <laughs> critique it yeah we're going to critique the fact that you didn't lay your pads out back out back out again after you worked so hard to wire it the first time yeah, um seriously jeez yeah so but 
I mean, some that's of y'all especially true with oh, deciduous. Sorry, I was just going to say that's especially true with deciduous because with conifers, you know, you can get a little bit of biting and it doesn't, you know, affect your overall, you know, the overall aesthetic of the tree. But with a, a deciduous tree, you don't want wire scars visible. So no. that's especially this time of year when the trees are actively growing and swelling. Definitely, definitely, definitely check your wire frequently. Yeah. One of the things that I deal with a lot here is deciduous. And so I'm a lot more sparing when it comes to full wire jobs, because I know when I wire that tree out, I'm going to have to go back and spend almost as much time like going through and checking and, and removing wire and rewiring. So I make sure to do all the, the wire I need to like in the uh, like late fall, right before spring, I might even do some wiring then right before vigor really starts to kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, and once it kicks off, I actually, I've had a lot of people ask me, even on, on cypresses and elms and, and maples here for me, I'll leave my wire on longer because some people's like, as soon as it cuts in, I take it off. I'm like, I take it off a little too early because it's going to, it's going to have to cut into a very minute extent because mm-hmm. it's going to spring back. I mean, they're very flexible plants normally, especially like a juniper and pine and pine tree situation where you leave the wire on there for a very long time. I mean, yeah, you, we let that stuff cut in a little bit for sure. Yeah. And you see it on there. And I've even been told by other uh, bonsai professionals, like it makes the branch more interesting if it gets wire cut in, which sometimes is laziness, but sometimes it's practical. Just depends on how you approach the wound and how you applied the wire and you didn't girdle the crap out of a branch. That mm-hmm. kind of goes a long way too. Yeah. Um, so, and then uh, tip number five, to kind of wrap it up here is uh let shoots extend to their full extent before cutting back unless you are pinching growth to promote back budding and get density and also mm-hmm. let sh- shoots extend to their full extent <laughs> what <laughs> sounded like you said let yep i'm sorry i don't know if we can say that on this i mean it, we're, I, I think to edit that no sorry. i think i think we can either put a a, a bleep right there or we can just put on because uh, there's a uh, like warning, explicit content, and I can just click that for this one episode. And it's like Carmen slipped up one time. Sorry, guys. This one's for 18 and older. No, uh, but no. Yeah. No. Sorry. Go ahead. No, let the extensions harden off. I don't know where you even picked. That. I, I know where it was. I just stumbled on the word for a second. But building density and also this will further heal wounds as well i know a lot of people will over like pick over their trees too often and then wonder why they're not getting branch tapering or getting uh wounds to heal or even angles to set on wire and you're Mm -hmm. always wondering like this tree i've been trimming on this tree for three years now and it looks exactly the same because you've been trimming on the tree for three years nonstop. You want yeah. to keep it that perfect look to it. It needs to extend. It needs to get fuzzy and hairy. And I, I like just kind of makes me think of that slant that saying it's like um, the 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 definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you're like, look at this tree and you're like, I don't know what's going on with this thing. It's like, have you been trimming it the same way over and over Every single like couple of months, you just trim it back to the same shape. You're not letting things extend in certain directions or look for advancement in a branch or a design. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, then you're not going to get a you're not going to get a tree. And that's an, that's another thing that I've noticed in my own practices. Like, okay, this tree is nice. And me and you had this conversation too, Carmen, about this one elm. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to chop this elm down because I know. That the top, the crown has gotten so, it's so old now that the crown is on tapered and it's just big, it's turning into a knuckle now because there's so many branches up there and deciduous trees have to be cut down and restart on their crown at least every 10 years or so, depending on how you're building the tree out, especially in high density crowns Mm -hmm. and just to move forward with a, with a better design. And you're like, and you told me there's this, what's the thing about some, if something's precious. Oh yeah. 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 Sometimes it's the thing that's precious that's holding you back because you like it so much you're so connected to it but that's the thing you have to let go of if you're going to progress yeah. so yeah i mean you like it now but like me and mike got really philosophical in the last episode it's like you like it now but 
bonsai is fleeting and it's impermanent and it can't stay exactly the same way that it is forever. Mm-hmm. Like go look at pictures of Goshen at the, the, the national collection in Washington, DC. There, there are older pictures of that tree and you can see how the crown and the branch placements and even the trunks of the trees, how they have all changed. They didn't change the placement of those trees. Goshen's John Naka's, uh, uh juniper masterpiece at the collection there's old pictures of that tree where it doesn't even really look like up to standards of what it what it used to be and it was it was in the collection at that time and Mm -hmm. our understanding of and 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 what we know about bonsai has advanced so much more so that tree has been moved along and the the people who curate those trees you told me uh there's there's been a couple of curators that you've known that have gone through there yeah it's up to the curator to move that tree forward. And they're even with old trees like that. They have mm-hmm. to, those things have to be done. They have to be grown out or cut back or developed in certain ways. Yeah. Especially so that, when you're looking at a Yamadori or something, you know, there's this one branch that you absolutely love, but it doesn't really fit with the tree. Sometimes that's the thing you have to let go if the trees can actually become something. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, the Yamadori thing is tough because like you collect the tree for so like how unique it is, unless it's a very flexible piece right. of the, the tree that you can bend into use to your benefit. And you know it took like 200 years to grow that branch. So you're like, oh my God, I have to cut this off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the debate is whether or not you just was it worth taking the tree off the mountain if you were not gonna do the work, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's it's tough, but it makes sure like going back to letting the the buds extend out because yeah, this is this kind of leads back around to the fertilizer schedule and making sure that trees are not having root problems. This goes full circle back around. I mean, your tree could be having root issues because you've been trimming it constantly mm-hmm. and not fertilizing it correctly and not thinning it out and not checking your wire. And it, it goes full circle and all these things add up. And I've noticed over a long period of time working with my trees that there are things that I've tweaked in my practice and I've seen huge results in the past five years. I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, the trees, I'm like, these are, these are good trees. They're, they're mediocre. And I've seen them elevate. And I'm like, I really like this tree now. Yeah. What did I do different? You know, what, what did, what did I do this, this past couple of years? And these are the things that I kind of collected. So um, but yeah, I hope it's, I hope it's useful and it's not just a bunch of, you know, uh, crazy bonsai guy, like staring, staring at his trees, ranting. Um, <laughs> it's kind of what, it's kind of what half of it is anyway. So, um, I think, I think you're right on a lot of these are super important things that people just, you know, neglect I'll fertilize next week. And then three weeks later, like, oh, I still haven't fertilized. You know, it's like, you have to put the time in and do do these little things in order to <laughs> you know be super successful with your trees so all these little things add up to one wow. big thing that is still a little thing that is called a bonsai yes that's that's my uh confucius confucius says <laughs> is, um quote of the day is do people even still say that i don't know you know probably what not because i haven't heard it <laughs> i think i might even said it wrong it was like the it's like the like the art of of war kind of thing it's like all these like mm-hmm. psalms and and kind of like poems about like philosophical ways to live your life it's like <laughs> you know I, I, I know what you mean yeah exactly uh nobody take take that and run with that that was probably one of the dumbest things i've said so um so I let's like <laughs> put it on a t-shirt uh, probably Oh yeah, well, I mentioned to, uh, talking about doing T-shirts and see, this is something. It's like, oh, I'm doing all these things with my trees, and it's making my trees better. It's like, what should I do for the show? Should I get these these T-shirts back online? We need to get that. We need to get that going, Carmen. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that soon, not not later. Mm. <laughs> but uh, all right. So late episode, um, commercial kind of like block before we move on to the word of the of the week. The bonsai word of the week and then wrap our show up uh, for today. 
Uh, for you guys that have listened this far into the show, thank you so much for listening. Uh, go over to our Facebook page, Little Things for Bonsai People, our Instagram under the same name. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Go over to underhillboneside.com. Check out my work. Go over to Becoming Bonsai. Check out Carmen's stuff. Uh, Carmen, tell us about the Women's Purple Pot Society real quick. Sure. So I'm also one of the co-founders of the Purple Pot Society, which is an international women's bonsai group um, put together by women for women in bonsai. Um, you can check us out at thepurplepotsociety.org. Uh, we also have an Instagram and a Facebook. So uh, come see what we're doing. Yep. Excellent. And for Mike, um, go over to Kitsune Bonsai. That's Kitsune, like the little trickster fox, uh, K-I-T-S. U-N-E, Sune, Kitsune, well, I said Sune first, uh, Bonsai, B-O-N-S-A-S-A-I.com. Mike has online courses available. Um, he's a busy dude. Uh, so if you're in the Florida area or even in the, the Gulf Coast area in the United States, I mean, I know Mike is traveling now and he's booking uh, classes and workshops and all kinds of cool stuff. So check him out over there. But uh, yeah, and if you're just listening, and you gotten this far into your first episode, you're awesome. Thank you for listening. This is this is what we do. Uh, me, Carmen, and Mike just love bonsai a lot. <laughs> we talk about yeah, it. They're all right. Yeah, they're okay. We we just do it for a living. It's no big deal. Only my entire life. Yeah, literally. Um, oh, and now nah, we'll we'll talk about that later. Um, so yeah, bonsai word of the week. I just I chose something nice and short and sweet. Uh, uh, Saku, our uh, essay. You do? I don't know that one. Uh, it's just it's the Japanese. It's just Japanese for to cultivate. Oh, just a very okay. very short, sweet, um, way to just say I'm caring for this tree, or it's a way to say how how you've cultivated a certain species of plant and of taking all considerations into. You factored it in to how to take care of this tree. You're mindful about the weather conditions it requires, the pests that it has the has problems with, and how to deal with its overall uh, growth habits. And there's another uh, saying that that uh, it that is applied to it in Japanese is uh, moichi saku suru, which means roughly in, in in English also make one. So basically saying to to create, to foster and cultivate. I like that. That's sweet. Yeah. It's it's just a little sweet little saying. I mean, I'm probably not saying the that pronunciation of that slang or that that saying properly because I know uh Japanese doesn't have the enunciation like we do. Uh because we have like a rhythm, whereas that would be a little bit smoother. <laughs> so but I'm not going to try to go too. I'm not going to try to go fast with it because I don't I'll stumble over it. We um, do the best we can. Yeah, but we are mindful of these words so that our listeners will hopefully go and use them amongst their bonsai friends in a sentence. Challenge I'm you guys. Saku some bonsai this afternoon. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Saying like it like that, that just right? yeah, it sounds a little okay. Maybe not like that. Um, oh. It is. It, yeah, it's kind of like. Saku, uh, or maybe it's because uh, it's very it's very short words, and I know that in in Japanese and, and with the dialect, it's it's much quicker than that. It's not it's not Saku, it's Saku. It's mm-hmm. much quicker, like like uh, like kind of like Saki. How how mm-hmm. like in English we're like Saki because we like the rhythm. It's more like it's more like Saki or mm-hmm. karaoke instead of karaoke. Yeah, you know, it's almost like lyrical. It's like yeah. a short lyrical. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, take that one to the bank. That's a sweet little bonsai word. It doesn't make us go into like this whole thing about how it applies straight to bonsai, just from the fact that it is just caring for a plant mm-hmm. that, and it usually is a word aimed straight at bonsai. This is the Saku development of a bonsai. And yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm always using the word bonsai. Uh, that's another thing too, is like with pronunciations, it's very key because there's bonsai. You hear that a lot. Um, I haven't really paid attention to how you say it, Carmen, but I've been taught bonsai. Mm-hmm. Bonsai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so I've even heard like when we use these words properly and actually give them the merit and the appreciation they deserve with these words, the weight that this word carries, somebody will notice it in the way that our our twangy uh, Southerner talk here and I go bonsai and they're like, that sounded weird. It was like a chop into the way you talk. That means I'm giving it reverence because it's important. It's an important word. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we do these words of the week. They're just little, they're little fun, little facets of our, uh, our bonsai practice. So, but uh, you got anything else for today, Carmen? Mm, no, no, well, I don't feeling, feeling pretty good about, uh about the garden and all the stuff going on and you're part of the world in Portland and yeah. yeah yeah everything's going pretty smooth yeah awesome um and I believe it's july it's craziness yeah and i will be at the national show in september if anyone's going to rochester new york that's gonna be and i might be at the national show i don't Maybe. know yeah we're we're still we're still Maybe seeing where probably. that's gonna fall yeah i will be there crossed. I will be showing the same tree that I was in Denver with, which is crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen, but it's how happening. is it? Uh, is it relieving? Well, yeah, it it has a it, it gave me a sigh of relief. Oh, good. Yeah, you let me get away with that joke, but it's whatever. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, it's it it bounced right back. It's it's a little coarse in leaf size where the leaves were sheared off. Mm-hmm. But it's fine. I'm because of of how fast it's growing, how how hot it is here. I've been I've been regrowing and pruning back, and it's got a little stringy in some sections. But it's it's just gonna be when I get it to Rochester, I'm gonna let it like I did with Denver. I'm gonna let it bush out slightly, and then I'm just gonna trim it a little bit and take out the you know the stuff that's taking a beating. Because I mean, a lot of people are driving for these shows, but yeah, twenty hours we did roughly 18 to denver 20 hours to rochester it's going to be much cooler the temperature's gonna be a lot easier in september yeah so it'll be fine but yeah if anyone's going up to the show that's uh september 9th and 10th i believe it's gonna be a saturday and sunday it's in rochester new york it's uh william valvanis's bonsai expo he's been putting on this is the eighth one i think the first one uh every other year i think the first one was in 2006 i can't remember exactly but uh, yeah, it's been going on for a while. It's a, it's a good show. Uh, lots of really awesome vendors. Um, lots of beautiful trees on display. So yeah, when I'll, I'll bring it up again in future episodes as we get closer. If anyone has questions or anything, you know, shoot, it, shoot it over to uh, me on my email, Evan Pardue. Not Evan Pardue. Uh, I don't put my last name on there. Evan at underhillboneside.com. Um, or you can become a patron and talk to us over there. So all right. Well, I think that's good for today, Carmen. All right. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, and we will uh, talk to everybody on the next one. Bye.